Hallelujah. Man, we got a lot of kids. Did anybody else hear the kids today? You know what? That's okay. That's okay. I know they come in here to worship, but I'd rather have a child come to worship and enjoy God's house than some guy like me point at them and say, stop it. How are we going to see our children coming to church and wanting to worship if we don't give them that opportunity? And I'll be honest with you, sometimes it's chaotic. That's okay. I had four kids. I've seen it. Anybody with more than, than just a husband and wife, anybody with a child knows that chaos happens. But I'm so thankful that the children love. And Friday night when they were here at kids camp, which is once a month, they have this front area open. And it's amazing to watch the kids worshiping. It's, it is amazing and exciting. I want to speak this morning. I want you to turn in your Bibles to John 15. I want to take a few minutes this morning to share What is God's plan for your life? One of the, the things I, I know his plan is, is for you to succeed in life or for you to be abundant or fruitful or successful. And so the passage I got this morning in our conversations with Jesus is it's one of the last conversations he had. It's actually within about a 24-hour period of him being hung on the cross. He knew that was coming. And the conversation he has, I find it amazing as you read this conversation, it's not about him. It's not about him. Now, when I go away on a trip, I will sit down with my kids, my wife and I, and it's all about us. And I say, I want the house clean. I want this ready. I want that done. I want you to put away this. I want you to... Jesus, when he was getting ready to go, he says, I want this for you. I want this for you. And so I just love how Jesus cares about us. And I'm going to give you some, some keys. I'm going to give you one key to success today. I'm going to really keep it simple. But before I do that, I want to read you some quotes about success. Failure is the key to success. Another person says, focused hard work is the real key to success. Another person, honesty and loyalty are key. If two people can be honest with each other about everything, that's probably the biggest key to success. Another person says, humility is the key to success. Another person says, creativity is the key to success. Another person says, one important key to success is self-confidence. Another person says, before anything else, preparation is the key to success. I've just read like six or seven. There's like 20 of these. And every one of them is different. Every one of them gives you some picture or some thought about success. And if you're trying to be successful in life, you can go crazy trying to do all these things. You can go, oh, was I humble today? 
You know, I love that Pe Peanuts cartoon, Ch Charlie Brown. He's arguing with a guy, and he says, yeah, well, I'm twice as humble as you. <laughs> Some of you got that. In our world, we chase after success. We chase it. We chase after money. We do crazy things to get our hands onto money. One of my, my shows that I enjoy watching, and Winona just laughs at me and shakes her head, but it's, it's some of these gold shows on TV. Uh, you know, History Network or... Uh, I know it's scripted, yes. But these guys, what they do... You know, and there's a couple of them. Uh, one of them's like Bering Sea Gold. And they actually dive into the ocean to try to suck up gold from the ocean floor up in Bering Sea. And what amazes me is the stupid things they will do in order to try to get an ounce of gold. And they literally put their life in danger. And, it, and I just laugh at it because I watch the show and every time I watch it, something breaks. And something goes haywire and all of a sudden the guy, I don't have air, I don't have air, I'm getting water. And what I find amazing is the things they do to chase after what they consider success. I'd like to ask you, what do you chase after for success? What do you say, if only I could do this? In the corporate world, we refer to it as climbing the ladder. And, and people will say, well, it's all about me, so I have to climb this ladder. And if there's somebody ahead of me, I'm going to climb over them, and I'm going to get above them, and I'm going to actually push them down or pull them down because I want to climb that ladder first. I've been there. I've seen it. Fortunately, I didn't participate in it, but I've seen it. And we chase after things, and we think, this is going to be my success. And then when we get there, <laughs> we find out the next morning, the same thing happens. And I just spent all this energy, I spent all this time, I spent everything I had to get to this point of success, and the next morning I wake up, and I have to do it all over again. And I got to chase this, and I got to chase that. I've heard of people who've gone after vehicles. I talked to this one man, and he bought this Mercedes-Benz, and I think it was like a 12-cylinder or even a 16-cylinder. This thing was amazing. He got it, and after he got it, he started to look at what's next. And we get success, and then we find out that that feeling of accomplishing is, isn't really what I thought it'd be. And the people in the Bible were no different. And in this conversation that Jesus has with the disciples, he gives them a key. He gives them one key to living a life of success or abundance or fruitfulness. So I'd like to read this, this morning with you in 
and then I'm just going to show you a few thoughts about living a life of fruitfulness. John 15. I'm doing that for my benefit here. There we go. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. God wants you to have a joy full life, not a joyless life. He wants you to be full of joy. He wants you to be enjoying the things that he has for you. And so I want to give you just a few thoughts this morning. And if you're taking notes, you can get your pens ready. But what I want you to see in this passage is that the branch is completely dependent on the vine. And he describes the the vine is Jesus, the vine dresser is the Father, and you and I are the branch. Have you ever noticed an apple tree exerting itself to produce an apple? Have you ever looked at a fruit tree and watched it as it sweats and as it works hard? No, it produces. Why why does a fruit tree produce? Because it's connected to the source. It's connected to the source. And all these shows that I was talking about earlier and all how they chase things, their connection is faulty. They have a connection that isn't connected to the source. And Jesus here is talking to the disciples and he says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. And I love this because he actually, he just says it, just plain and simple. Guys, it's not all about you. He, he just, I mean, I know we tell our youth and our children it's not all about them, but have you ever looked at yourself and said it's not all about me? Well, I got offended last week. I got hurt. The songs that we sing, they're so loud. Well, who are we singing to? We're singing to Jesus. 
Well, the sermon, and don't you dare talk about the sermon. I mean, but I'll go there. The sermon's too long, or it's this, or it's that. Are we here to honor Jesus? Sometimes we put all our expectations, and it's all about us. But what happens when we say, no, I'm connected to the vine, and it's all about my source or my supply, and my source and my supply is Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit. So every branch is completely dependent on the vine. Every branch. Look at somebody and say, I depend on Jesus. Do it again. I depend on Jesus. Second thing I want you to see is that he wants you to have fruit. In fact, he expects you to have fruit. In fact, he expects you to have more fruit. In fact, in fact he expects you to have much fruit. Jesus is constantly looking at you so that you will produce fruit. And some people say that's the fruit of the Spirit. I would suggest to you that it's not just solely the fruit of the Spirit, but it's the fruit of His life living inside of you. Which, yes, it produces the fruit of the Spirit, but I would suggest to you that it produces so much more. It produces more. And this morning, Olivia said the word more. We serve a God that wants you to be fruitful. Not a fruit cake, but fruitful. He wants you to be fruitful. And this picture of the vine and the branches is a very common picture in the scriptures. And one of the things they would do is the vine, some of the vine would actually have the branches laying on the ground. And they would get dirty. And they'd get pests and, and other um, contaminants on it. And part of the pruning process was they would actually lift that branch up and clean it and rehang it on the trellis. And the cleaning was something to remove the contaminants or the dust or even the, the pests that would be on there. And the cleaning was so that the fruit would produce. And Jesus in this passage, he, he says to his disciples, you are clean because of my word. So how does the pruning of God work in these situations? The pruning of God works for you to produce fruit and produce more fruit and much fruit. You use the scriptures. That's what cleanses you. Not 25 thoughts on how to be successful. Not the latest trend on how to minimize. Not the latest fad on how to get more out of this. And some of those principles I don't argue with. Some of them are very good. Proverbs has many, many practical tips on how to be successful and how to grow in wisdom. 
But what I find amazing is there's 25 of those. And after you read all 25, you forget which the first one is. Jesus says, here's a simple truth. Abide in me. And you don't think it's important. He says it 11 times in 10 verses. 11 times. Abide in me. Abide in me. Abide in me. And this was just before he's arrested and crucified. And he knows they're going to leave him. And instead of getting upset with them, he encourages them, abide in me. You know what the toughest time for, for abiding is when things go tough? When things are going easy, everybody gets along. Life is easy. Life is good. There's no issues. But the moment something happens negative, what do you do? Jesus is talking here, and he wants them to be fruitful. I want each one of you to be the most successful person that you can be. That's my desire. My desire is for you to be the most happy individual. My desire for you is to be the one that the boss says, oh, we need an answer, go and see so-and-so. Why? Because God's, I don't understand why, but every time I talk to him, he's got a good answer. That's what I believe God wants you to have. I believe that you should be the one that somebody says, you know what, every time I'm around you, I leave feeling better. That's being fruitful. I believe we as believers have an unfair advantage over somebody who's not a believer because we have the Holy Spirit. And he quickens you and he can teach you and he can guide you and he can give you. If, if I was standing beside somebody that was not a, a believer, I expect that I will have more to offer than this other individual. Because I've got God with me. Now, I mean, if he's a physicist, don't ask me a question about physics and stuff. But I'm, I, apples to apples. Don't walk into a dentist store and, or a dentist's office and say, okay, God's with me, so I'm going to tell you how to do this. No, there's experts, and you use them, and you work with them. But if you're working side by side with one of your coworkers, my prayer and my desire is that you would be the one that they would go to because you're the go-to person because God is with you, and he makes you fruitful in everything you do. I mean, if you're pushing the broom, you should be pushing the broom better than anybody else. Come on. If you're pushing the broom, you should figure out what's the quickest way I can sweep this floor. Why? Because you've got Jesus inside of you. And you say, well, that's, what has that to do with being a Christian? Everything you do is a reflection of your relationship with Christ. Everything you do is a reflection of who you are connected to. And every branch, or every branch is connected to the vine. And Jesus says it twice in this passage, if you're not connected, there's nothing that you can do. Because your life source is not you, your life source is God. 
And we've looked at these conversations and we've seen miracles. I mean, Jesus spitting in mud, putting it on a guy's eyes, and he goes away and gets healed. We've seen Jesus talking to the woman at the well who had five failed marriages and was on her sixth guy. And what does he do? He loves on her. Jesus shows a way of relationship. We see the picture of in the conversation where Jesus is sitting there and this lady is brought in form who's been caught in adultery. And how does Jesus respond? And in these conversations, we're seeing that Jesus responds according to the heart of the Father. And he's showing us how he pictures and how he sees the kingdom of God established on this earth. And I find that I am so often, I thought I was doing good. I thought I was doing good. I grew up in the church. I know the songs. I remember crawling under the pews. I remember falling asleep in church. I remember I threw up in church. I remember all these things. I, I knew the stories. But if you take a moment and you take some time and you read these stories and you say, God, would you reveal something to me? And he's been revealing these things to me. And he's been showing me and I've just been in falling in love with Jesus all over again. And I am convinced, I am convinced that each one of us here should be the most productive, fruitful, beneficial, happy, joyful, successful, pleasurable person to be around. Because if they don't see the fruit in you, what do they see? I know, usually I tell jokes. You reproduce what you're connected to. You reproduce what you're connected to. Think about that for a second. You reproduce what you're connected to. I can tell what some people are connected to by the life that they're living. And I've learned it doesn't take a whole lot of discernment. Sometimes it just takes a few conversations. Or, in today's world, a few Facebook postings. Come on, somebody, smile. Facebook is a crazy little tool. But you reproduce what you're connected to. Anybody here want to be successful? Anybody here, if you were to look at your job, would you like to be the best person at what you do? There's a few honest people. Anybody? When I worked, I wanted to be the best at what I did. And I'm serious. I wanted to be the best in BC. I wanted to be the best in Canada at what I did. If you don't strive for that, if you're not connected to that, you know what? You'll never succeed. You'll never get pushed past those things. And one of the keys, in fact, the key is how you're connected or who you're connected to. You reproduce what you're connected to. 
I've got a couple thoughts. Who here wants to bear some fruit in their life? All right, I'm going to give you a few thoughts here. Allow the pruning or the cleaning of God's word in your life. It's funny because we'll say we want to be fruitful and then God's word says to forgive and we go, yeah, but that doesn't really apply to me. Forgive? Well, let me tell you what they did. Forgive? But do you even know how I feel? Forgive? No, no. What about my rights? And the moment we start arguing like that is the moment we start losing the fruit of what forgiveness does. The moment we start justifying, and I've done it. I've come up with 10 reasons why I shouldn't forgive that person. And it can go all the way to the shoes they wear or the way they walk into the building or the tone of their voice. Like, why should I forgive them? They are so high and mighty. Why should I forgive? Do you realize what vehicle? They, and they say they care about me and then they drive right by and they don't even wave. And I got to forgive him? And the moment we start justifying our actions that do not line up with God's word is the moment we start losing the benefit of the fruit of God's word. The moment you start saying, no, God's word doesn't really apply here is the moment you start losing what God's word says is the benefit. And Sean read this morning from Isaiah 55. And it says, my word does not return unto me void, but it accomplishes the thing that it's sent out to. I am convinced that when I do what his word says, that I will see the benefit of what his word says. My favorite verse as a teenager, Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I did that. I married the most beautiful girl in the world. Oh, that was good. I married, I mean, she was what I was looking for. I'm serious. I actually wrote down what I wanted in a future wife. And beautiful was like right at the top. I mean, why not? I delighted myself as a teenager in the Lord. I'll tell you a little story. When I was in grade 10, I decided that I wanted to go one-year Bible school before I went to college and university. And I hurt my knee, and I wasn't able to work. And my dad had a company, and so I wasn't able to work. And I had committed myself that I would go to school, but I also said, Lord, I'd really like to have a brand-new car before I go to school. Not a used car, because I'm not a mechanic. So I needed something that I could just put the key in and turn. I, it needed to be dummy-proof. And the best thing was a car that worked and was brand new. So I said, Lord, I'd like to have a brand new car, but I'll go to Bible school. And what I'll do is I will put aside my tuition first for Bible school, and then I'd like to get a car. And then I hurt my knee, and I didn't work. Well, through the course 
of workers' compensation, I received the benefit of work while I was in high school. And at the end of my grade 12 year, I had enough money, over $2,500, to pay for my first year tuition. And I had over $12,000 put aside that I could buy my brand new car. That's how long ago it was. It was only $12,000. But I walked in and I paid cash for a Honda Accord when I was 17 years old. And I believe it was because I delighted myself in the Lord and he gave me the desires of my heart. Start living what this word says, believing it, and, and believe what it says, and then start doing it, and you will see God produce. And you know what? The desires of my heart, people will say, well, the more you delight in God, the more your desires change. Yes, but he didn't have a problem with me getting a brand new car. Sometimes I think, well, well gee, it has to be a holy car. It has to be a missionary car. No, God delights in giving his kids good things. How did I get on there? I just allow pruning for cleaning from the word. Do what the word says, even if it hurts. It's real easy to do what the word says when you want to, but are you prepared to do what the word says when it changes you or it affects you or it says, David, you can't hold a grudge against this person. Offense. Forgiveness. Tithing. Health. All those things are in the word of God. And when I stay connected to the vine, my branch brings forth fruit that reveals that life. Another key to bearing fruit, don't try it alone. Connect yourself. Connect yourself. Literally. It says, blessed is the man in Psalm 1. And it says, and his tree shall be planted, like, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf will not wither, and whatsoever he does will prosper. And he's talking about the person who dwells in God's house and enjoys being in God's fellowship. There's a benefit there. Plant yourself. My daughter and I are going to do an experiment. She likes to grow vegetables and stuff. So I think next year we're going to have a pot, two pots, and every week I'm going to transplant the fruit or the vegetable into the other pot. And then we're going to have a third one that we don't touch and we just water. Which one do you think is going to grow better? Is there anybody here with a green thumb? The one that stays planted. And next year, I'll do this experiment. But sometimes we think, well, that applies to this person, but it doesn't apply to me. Have you ever, ex I preach a good word every once in a while, and somebody will come to say, you know what, my wife should have heard that. <laughs> or, that was great, can you give me the CD so I can give it to so-and-so? Let it, let it sink here. 
Don't try to do it alone. That's part of why we're, we have our life groups. You want to bear fruit? Abide. Abide. Remain. Stay. Keep at it. Wait for it. Don't keep jumping from one thing to another, but remain, abide, stay in what his word says. Apply that, and it will come to pass. It will. Sometimes we live in a microwave society and we expect it to happen immediately or we have a drive-through deliverance, but sometimes these things take time. And we have so many conveniences, we expect God to work in our timetable and we push the button and say, here's the time, two minutes and 30 seconds. We push the button and God says, no, I'm working something deeper inside of you that's going to take more than two minutes and 30 seconds. Abide. And I find this to be one of the most challenging things because when things don't go well and I hit a bump in the road, my first reaction is to leave or to turtle or to hide or to turn. And I, I can't stress it enough. In life, when you go through something tough, don't do it alone Stay in the house of God. Get around people. Make yourself part of family. Make yourself part of community. And we can grow together and you will succeed and you will get past it. Because I've seen people that have done it that way and they're successful and they grow and they flourish. And I've seen people that have run and hidden and gone away. And I come across them five years later, ten years later, twenty years later. And they're in the same place they were when they left because there's a principle about abiding and Jesus in this conversation he's telling his disciples I'm about to leave but I want you to remain in me so this morning if I give you one key to success it's Jesus It's Jesus. It's Jesus. If there's one key that you can apply to your life and you say, what will make me successful? What, what's Jesus? What, what does he say? What does God say about this situation? Don't come up with 25 steps. Come up with one question. What do you want to do here, Jesus? What do you want me to do here? And Jesus 11 times in 10 verses says, abide in me. 11 times in 10 verses, abide in me. My prayer my desire for each one of you is that you would be the most successful person that you can be. And I mean that everywhere. I, I want you to have the best children. I'd like you to have the best paying job. I'd like you to have the most joyful time. I'd like you to have holidays that would make Facebook people like jealous. 
I'd like you to enjoy what God has for you. And when I look at that, it just starts by abiding. Remain. Stay. Don't, don't, don't leave. Sunday after 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 Sunday. When I'm going to stop, I'm not going to stop. After Sunday, after Sunday, after Sunday in God's house. You say, well, don't get legalistic. I'm not. I'm just telling you that's how you succeed in life. Well, he preached a word I didn't like. Come and say a few more amens and I might get better. Pray for me. I could use it. It, to me, the key to success is not humility. It's not self-confidence. It's not preparation. To me, the key to success is abiding. Next Sunday, I'm going to be here. The Sunday after that, I'm going to be here. The Sunday after that, I'm going to be here. The Tuesday night for life group, I won't be here this week. But the other Tuesday nights, I'll be there. Why? Because I need to abide. Because his word says, if you abide in me, and my word abides in you, you're going to ask whatever you want, and it's going to happen. He says, if you abide in me, and my word abides in you, you're going to have joy that's full. He says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, I'll give you the desires of your heart. He says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you'll ask whatever you want and it's going to be done. He says, if my word abides in you and you and me, he says, you'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So the conversation with Jesus this morning, to me, it's very simple. Abide. 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 Amen? Do you receive that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, teach us to abide. In your name, amen. Have a great week. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday.